Welcome to Faith Walking Conversations. In this episode, Ken Schumann and a group of faith walkers reflect on the topic The Mantle of God's Forgiveness. This conversation was originally recorded in July of 2020. We want to remind you that Faith Walking's mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. Visit us at www.faithwalking.us. Join this conversation. Till I'm looking through the eyes of love I'm gonna look twice at you Until I see the Christ in you I'm gonna look twice Before we get to, uh, to today's topic that was recommended by Deborah Warren, uh, a couple of weeks ago in a conversation we had. Uh, I want to give you a little bit of uh, uh, some fresh stuff that got stirred up in me this morning. I had a person that I coached send me an email, and uh, in it, she had been doing some reading on trauma and systems and how the two connect. And it just... Um, it was just helpful uh, because, first of all, she indicated from what she was reading that that during this pandemic, all of us are experiencing trauma. Uh, we're we're experiencing it experiencing it in different ways, and uh, and and she went through kind of three levels, uh, and I don't remember what the three levels all are, but mainly, mainly it's about we can get stuck and we can get so wounded that we don't fully recover from the trauma or we can be resilient and we can face the trauma well and we can come out better uh, on the other side. Uh, and the, the, so two big takeaways. One was Emphasize resiliency is the key to managing trauma. Emphasize resiliency, which for me simply means what I think I probably said the very first meeting we had of this group when I said uh, we are designed for challenge, that our systems, I believe, are God designed for challenge. And even as severe uh, and who knows how much longer it's going to go, uh, the trauma we're experiencing, we can make our way through uh, and, and, and we should. And, and we need to be thinking about how can I stay resilient in the process? And then there was one other question that was written and asked in the, in the material, and it was the question 25 years from now, 50 years from now, when people are telling the story of the pandemic in 2020, what do you and I want to be known for? How did we show up in faith walking language? How did we show up during the pandemic? What will people say? Uh, I'd love it if if there were a nice big section that talked about faith walking, right? Because the faith walking people were just so 
outstanding in managing their anxiety and being differentiated and showing up as the people they want to be. But it just made me ponder all that. And, uh, and so I wanted to share it with you because I think it's helpful to think about how do I stay resilient and what do I want to be known for? Answering those two questions, I think, are really, really helpful. Um, so now transitioning to today's topic, Deborah uh, was in a group where I talked about this some a couple of weeks ago, and she said, oh, that'd be a, a great Friday conversation. And so um, I was going to do it the last week and got off track and did something else. And so I'm going to bring it today. And I think I might. Uh, so I'm working on I'm, I'm writing module six of our new Faith Walking Foundations right now, and it's all about missional living. And one of the key components for me about missional living is that what missional living is, if we really boil it down to its simplest form, it's learning to love others well. And so I'm going through a... Um, I'm, I'm outlining, okay, so what does love look like? We all know about love. We've all heard about love all of our lives. We all know God is love. We all know Jesus said the greatest commandment is love. Uh, but what does love really look like? How does love show up on a daily basis? And one of the ways that I think love is displayed, evidenced, is that love forgives. Love forgives. Um, I, I'm going to assume you're probably like me and, uh, and you, you, you hear from people out there that have views that are like 180 degrees different than yours. Any of y'all like that? I mean, I, I was skimming Facebook earlier today and, and saw three posts of, of people and I just went through their posts and I said, oh my gosh, I know these people. I know them. And, and, and yet their beliefs are just so dramatically different than mine. And I, what I, so what I want to connect is I want to connect the idea of forgiveness with differentiation. So I think I can forgive better the, the more differentiated I am. The more I realize, okay, yeah, they have a view that's really, really different than mine. And they may even say something. They may post something on Facebook that's personally offensive to me, that calls me names, that says, you know, that, that, uh, throws me, lumps me in some category that really I'm not in. And, um, and so I, I, I want to tie it to that because I think that's important. But I want to talk about this idea of, of forgiveness because um, in John 20, 21, at, after the resurrection, at the end of Jesus's ministry, Jesus appears in the upper room with the disciples who are, by the way, hiding in fear scared to death to go anywhere. And Jesus shows up in their midst, which would be startling, frightening, 
anxiety producing in its own way, right? Uh, okay, just in the room, he shows up and he shows up and he sends them out. So it's a commissioning. And in it, Jesus says these words. Uh, and, it, and there's a verse of scripture that's just really, really hard to understand. And it, it's, it's in the, the notes here. But in verse 23, Jesus says, you now have the mantle of forgiveness, of God's forgiveness. As you go, you're able to share the life-giving power to forgive sins or withhold forgiveness. So Jesus gave them what, what is described in the voice translation, the mantle of forgiveness, and a mantle is a responsibility. Jesus gave them the responsibility for forgiveness, and he said, so you have the, the power, you have the ability to share the life-giving power to forgive sins, or you can withhold forgiveness. Well, that's pretty dramatic and pretty powerful, but here's my point. My point in all of this, as I've, as I've studied forgiveness and as I'm continuing to study forgiveness, I want to say this one word, Jesus, I believe, hope you hear my differentiation. I believe that Jesus was liberal with forgiveness. John the Baptist was legalistic with forgiveness. But Jesus was liberal. What do I mean? What I mean is Jesus forgave people who never confessed their sins. Jesus forgave people that never repented of their sins. Jesus forgave people before or without the thought of restitution for whatever. Uh, and from the woman that fell at Jesus' feet and washed his feet with her hair, to a thief hanging on a cross with him, Jesus said to both of them, hey, you know what? Your sins are forgiven with no asking for forgiveness. Now, I know I may be rattling some cages, and I'm sorry about that, but, but really the most profound story for me is the story of the prodigal son that Jesus told. So think about the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal went and squandered his inheritance. He was destitute. He was eating pig slop. When he finally came to himself and said, you know what? The servants in my, in my father's house are treated better than I'm being treated right now. I think I'll go home and be a servant to my father. I've squandered everything I have. So uh, what I want you to see is there wasn't a whole lot of repentance, I don't think, in the prodigal. I think what the prodigal wanted was three square meals a day and a warm roof over his head. And he knew, okay, if I go just go hire out to my dad, I'll get that. And so we went home. And, and you know the story, the, and, the, and the father every day would, would be looking off into the horizon waiting for the son to come home. And finally, that day arrived, and he saw his son coming, and what did he do? He went, he ran to him, he, he, he engulfed him in a big hug, and as his son was trying to confess and repent, 
The father said, ha, all, all I care about is the fact that you're home now and, uh, and we're going to throw a party and uh, go, go kill the fatted calf and let's have a barbecue and let's invite all our friends. And, and if you'll remember, uh, one of the key points of the story is, but Big Brother, who had never gone and squandered anything, got mad because the father was so forgiving of the prodigal son. So I'm just giving you a little bit of biblical evidence. You can go study more. I want to make the contention Jesus was liberal with forgiveness. The disciples in the upper room were given the mantle of God's forgiveness and told, now go spread forgiveness. I believe it's implied because those were the original disciples of Jesus and, and whatever the size group was, that all disciples of Jesus since then are given the same mantle. And so you and I are given the mantle of forgiveness. I wonder what it would look like if we freely gave away God's forgiveness and just said, you, you know what? God loves you. God forgives you recognize that forgiveness was not just the release, release of guilt and shame, but often forgiveness was inclusion back into the community because people had gotten excluded because of the things that they had done. And what would it look like if we just went and just scattered forgiveness everywhere we go and said, you know what, what I believe is God loves you, God forgives you. And in these days of trauma and in these days of pandemic, what would that look like? Uh, and then the other part of that is, and what would it look like not just to scatter God's forgiveness everywhere we go, but to scatter our own forgiveness, that, that we take less offense, that we don't hold grudges that we don't make people uh, make restitution for every issue or every slight or everything that occurs to us, such that we could even forgive people for posting horrible things on Facebook. What would that look like if we could be that kind of people? Um, yeah. So we are sent I, I like this quote from Walter Brueggemann down at the bottom. Let me, let, me, let me finish with this. So ponder this. You are sent to forgive. You are sent to be a cottage industry in forgiveness. It is the church's primary assignment from the Easter Christ to forgive. So I want to invite you along with me. Let's get better at forgiveness. So I wonder what that stirs up for you. Nice little minor theological conversation today. Deborah? Yeah, I've always got a first out of the shoot, but this is so fresh because we're having this ongoing discussion with a, a young vicar here who, who we adore. He's a great thinker. He is enthusiastic. He's trying to figure out uh, or work out who he is as a preacher. And so he did a, a sermon a few weeks ago. He asked for our input. And uh, I think he'd said something. I can't remember how it was worded. 
talking about um, the gospel being good news or something like that. Or bad news, bad news. And Bruce and I go around teaching <laughs> when we're equipping people to reach out to Muslims that looked like when Jesus was walking the earth that the gospel was good news. That he was, you know, living and demonstrating and teaching in such a way that people were like, well, that sure sounds like good news. Sounds like good news to me. And uh, even in our little bit of a back and forth, he's uh, really struggling because he thinks that the gospel should be bad news first. Mm. That it's 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 first bad news that you're you're a sinner and you're um, kind of wretched. So it's just really interesting to watch this. And maybe so much of it is part partly too. We're in different generations, and so we've come through our more stringent processes as younger people, Bruce and I, and we've we kind of shifted to, to this second half of life where we're seeing God the Father differently. So I don't know. I'm just going to toss that out there, too, that we kind of think Jesus was pretty liberal. Mm-hmm. We've come to the table. So one of my go ahead, Judith, you go. I'll I'll hold. Okay, thank you. Um, this morning I was listening to the news, and I, apparently capital punishment is back, and there's someone on death row who's about to be executed in the next day or so um, for crimes committed years ago against families and with young children. And it's a horrible story. There are actually three coming up. But what I heard was the mother of one of the children who had been murdered sobbing that this man's life should not be taken because it was not going to bring her daughter back and she could mm. forgive. Mm. And I thought that's a story of forgiveness. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Um, regardless of how anyone feels about capital punis- punishment, this woman understands forgiveness. Right. Yeah, that is extremely powerful. Makes me cry thinking about it. It, it does. And, and it's more, uh, yeah. And I wonder if I was in the same situation, would I have that much forgiveness? Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. Anybody else have a thought here? Well, um, what Judith said kind of made brought to mind of, um, you know, eye for an eye and that's the old Testament retribution, retaliation, and then, yep. yeah, and so the New Testament is forgiveness. It, it is, and, and you know, this, this verse in most translations is really kind of hard to interpret. It, it's just a difficult verse, and so I want to acknowledge that, but I, but I love the way the voice translation interprets it as this mantle of forgiveness that is handed down to all the disciples and um, and that, yeah, part of our role as followers of the way of Jesus is we share that forgiveness that Jesus came to give. It's just, yeah, it's, it's powerful. And so what, what I'm convinced of, so often the argument, you, you mentioned the Old Testament, often the argument comes up, well, you know, which God do I believe? The God of the Old Testament, God of the New Testament, those kinds of things. Here's what I believe, folks. Uh, and I say this over and over all the time. If, if you want to know what God is like, 
look at Jesus because Jesus is what God is like in human form. And for me, you have to start with Jesus. I mean, if, and maybe not all of us believe this, but if we even halfway believe in the deity of Christ, then we have to believe, okay, Christ is the living image of what God's like. And so if if it's not like who Jesus was, then it's probably not like God. I'm looking for a story. I want to read a story, and if I can't find it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm just gonna have to try to tell it to you. And I won't tell it as nearly as well as the authors write it. Um, so I don't know how many of you know who Tony Campolo is. Uh, Tony is uh, is ill. Tony had a stroke last week and is not doing very well. So. Uh, I would invite you to pray for Tony. Tony is a uh, professor, uh, theologian, been around a long time, social justice advocate. Uh, If you know who Shane Claiborne is, Shane is a social justice radical who is his kind of primary, uh, Tony Campolo, Dr. Campolo was his mentor. They wrote a book together uh, called Red Letter Revolution. And it's, it's about the, the teachings and message of Jesus. And, um, and anyway, I found the story. So I'm just going to read it from the book, okay? So Tony Campolo is talking, and he says, My wife, Peggy, loves to tell this wonderful story when she speaks. She says that in heaven, Peter is in charge of checking people in at the front gate. Paul, on the other hand, still the great administrator he, uh, that he had proven himself to be here on earth, is in charge of keeping track of all the people that were let in the front gate. And it's disturbing him that he always finds more people in heaven than Peter is ad- admitting. This discrepancy greatly annoyed them both. And then one day, Paul comes running up to Peter, and he says, I found out what's happening finally. It's Jesus. He keeps sneaking people over the back wall. Peggy loves that story because she believes it's saying that even though the church sometimes thinks it can determine who can and cannot get into heaven, Jesus may be at work outside of the church, loving people and lifting them into his kingdom. I love that story because because I think that's exactly what Jesus, I can just see Jesus. Jesus is around back throwing people over the fence. He wants everybody in. And so what would it look like if we were as forgiving as Jesus? One other word. Anybody got a comment, a question, a thought? Tammy, go for it. Yeah, then we'll come to you, Laura. I find that our theology often turns our um, our administrative rules and our politics on its head. Mm-hmm. And everything that's been said in this conversation is affirming that the, the story that Judith told about 
forgiving the person on death row. Our politics and legalities are currently saying that's okay. And Jesus embodied in this woman is saying, no, it's, it's not. There's a higher law and a higher political endeavor here. And as I was meditating on that, I was even thinking about the quote from Brueggemann, leave it to Brueggemann to turn a phrase on its head. Cottage industry mm-hmm. tends to have a pretty negatory connotation to it. Mm-hmm. And he's even turned a declaration, but cottage industry of forgiveness flips that and is turning that derogatory term into a, a good one. So there's there's so many stories, examples, and, and uh, phrases here that are just flipping common perception. Right. Some of my thoughts. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and by the way, folks, my roots are Southern Baptist, and everything I just said is heretical to Southern Baptist, okay? So uh, just... I just want to recognize that, yeah, this is radical stuff. But but here's my question. This is what we do in faith walking. What if this is true? Not do I agree or disagree, but what if this is true? What if Jesus was really more liberal with forgiveness than, than we've ever thought about being? Laura, dive in. And then we'll come to you, Dawn. I have two thoughts. I, I love the topic of um, forgiveness. I think it's... I'm so glad that you talked about this today. I think it's just something that's like near and dear to my heart. And I know um, last year I preached on forgiveness at my church out of, well, not forgiveness specifically, but out of the Lord's prayer. And one part that's always been really convicting for me is forgive us as we forgive others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know whenever I think of forgiveness, I'm going to ask God to be forgiven towards me as I am towards other people. I better be doing a job at forgiving other people because I know I need it. Um, every bit as much as the next person. And mm-hmm. when Judith was talking, um, I thought of a conversation I had, it was a few weeks back. Um, so in the United States, I know not everyone's in the United States, there's a pretty prolific serial killer, the Golden State Killer that just um, came to trial for a lot of mm-hmm. crimes a long time ago. Um, and we were talking about uh, serial killers with some Christian friends of mine and um, and and the idea of forgiveness and um Someone brought up Jerry Dahmer, who's another serial killer who supposedly Mm -hmm. had like a deathbed come to Christ thing. And someone said, like, I don't know if that like, does that count or is that real? And I thought it would be the coolest thing to see Jeffrey Dahmer in heaven. And they're like, why? Why would you want? And I was like, because that would be such a testimony of God's grace. Like, I want to be in a heaven that has like people that did these horrible things. And that's like God was so big. Um, yeah, I think that's just a, it's a beautiful picture of grace that it, and they're like, but, but there's, you know, it's just, it's like the story of all the workers that go out and they all got paid the same. And some of them worked harder than others or longer than others or whatever. But, um, I think God, you know, one of the beauties of the grace and forgiveness of God is that it doesn't, it makes our life unfair, but we don't want our life to be fair. Like we think we want life to be fair, but if it was fair, we all deserve death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just I love the topic of um, forgiveness and just that it that it throws everything upside down and um, yeah. Awesome, Laura. Thank you for diving in, Dawn. Yeah, I just wanted to weigh in, thinking about your mantle of forgiveness. Also, that it really strikes me that the lack of forgiveness is the reason for separation in relationships. Mm-hmm. You could probably 
use that as a reason for every problem in every relationship, you know. And then my second thing was a response to Deborah being a Lutheran. Um, I know Martin Luther calls us all saints and sinners simultaneously. So that's how I, I think about us and we live with both. Yeah. Yeah. Tricia. The second half of the verse talks about withholding forgiveness. And mm -hmm. I've never really understood what that exactly means. Mm -hmm. um, maybe we could get Walter Brueggemann or somebody to come talk about that sometime. Uh, I'm teasing you, Tricia. I, I, <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means. Uh, I'll just be honest with you. Um, I, so if, if I may, let me just ponder some things out loud. So I wonder if one of the ways we withhold forgiveness is that we don't give it freely, that we make people do certain things. And so we're withholding forgiveness. I think the other way I would interpret that and think about it is, uh, is back to what Laura was talking about in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Uh, are we are we withholding forgiveness in our relationships? Or am I unforgiving in my relationship? So so I think it's it's both. Am I withholding giving God's forgiveness freely, and am I withholding my own forgiveness in my relationships? I see it as you know whatever two two sides of the same coin. Uh, that's the best that I can say today uh, about what I think about that, Tricia. Brenda? I have a quick question. What do you do if you're on the opposite, you're on the end of needing forgiveness and say years have gone past and, and you cannot be forgiven? How do you stay connected with that person when you know that you absolutely know there is something that you, that there was something that you had no control over? you know, in a circumstance, I'm talking like family relational, you know, a family split up over unforgiveness uh -huh. and just completely disconnect. And mm -hmm. after a while, I'm, I'm just saying personally, after a while it gets wearing and it's like, I'm not going to push myself on anyone. Right. You know? And, and what, I, what I believe about that, Brenda, the, the verse that always comes to mind for me is, be at peace with all people as long as it depends upon you. Have I done everything I can do to make peace in my family? Yes. Okay. Then, then live guilt-free and rest in the fact I've done everything. I Am I available to stay connected? Am I open to being connected? All Yes, all of the above. Okay. Then, then don't beat yourself up about it because you've done all you can do. I really like the language, and I write about it in one of our modules, but I like the language of, am I complete with this situation? So I really like the language of completeness, and completeness means this, or this is the way I interpret it. I ask three questions. Is there something that I need to say that I haven't said yet? That's a question. Is there something I need to do that I haven't done yet? Like forgive or like ask for forgiveness. 
or, or whatever. Third question, is there something I need to consider about this situation that I haven't considered yet? And for me, that's like considering things like they just don't have the tools to do any better. Uh, they are acting out of their own anxiety and don't have the same tools that I have, those, those kinds of things. And if I go through all three of those questions and, and say, okay, yeah, I've said what I need to say, done what I need to do, consider everything I need to consider, then I just trust it to God's hands and, and, and I don't worry about it anymore. It's beyond my responsibility. Um, now, for those of us that are fused to the people we love, it's hard to give that up because it feels like, oh, well, I've, surely there's something more I can do. Surely I can take more responsibility. Uh, but no, that I've see when we get complete, that's I've done everything I need to do that I'm responsible for. It's just getting past the pain of that. I mean, it's 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 just very painful. Uh, absolutely, Brenda, and and um, and the pain you just have to tend to yourself. There, there's no way that anybody can fix that for you. You just have to bear it. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. Well, let me break us up into some rooms real quick, okay? Yeah. So anything, uh, anything else gets stirred up there? Anything new, any thoughts you want to share? We talked about, so, go ahead. Ours was a reaffirmation, Ken, of how much we love you in this call and the fellowship <laughs> and the, the sharing hearts and minds. Amen. <laughs> I, I actually, I just wanted to, like, before we cut out into uh, groups, I wanted to say to, to Brenda's point um, that, yeah, there's that grief component that, it, but it's necessary to heal because on the mm -hmm. other side of that process is healing, mm -hmm. even though it's mm -hmm. hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And for me personally, I find the hardest, the, the most challenging part is is not taking responsibility for things that are not mine. That's just a constant challenge in this journey toward differentiation. Um, just, okay, I'm not, because I, I grew up in the religious system I grew up in, I grew up with this idea, oh, oh, it's all your fault and there's always more you can do. And so for me, letting that go is pretty powerful when I can figure out how to do it. <laughs> I listed, go ahead, Brenda. I was going to say, it'll probably take me a lifetime to figure out that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the journey. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I listed the three questions over in the chat box. If you can see the chat box, uh, I'm happy to go over them with you again. If y'all want to jot them down, uh, and there's, they're really in no particular order, but the three questions are, uh, is, is there anything I need to say that I haven't said? Question one. Question two. Is there anything I need to do that I haven't done? 
Question three, is there anything I need to consider that I haven't considered yet? And, and for me, then, then it's about, so recon, recognize it, it's not, I'm not responsible for all of a reconciliation. I'm responsible for my part of a reconciliation. So that's, that's the three questions are, are around, can I get complete? And, and, it's, and when I'm complete, then I've done everything I'm responsible for. And I can relax, and I can let it go, and I and I can and I can move on, um, even when the other person seems to continue to be angry with me, or doesn't want to want to talk to me. Um, so, so for me, I tend when I get anxious, I tend to distance. And so the the question is: There's something I need to say that I haven't said yet. That's a really powerful and big one for me, because sometimes what I need to say is you really hurt me by what you said. And in, you know, in my upbringing, in my first formation, that wasn't OK. Wasn't OK to say, hey, you really hurt me by what you did and what you said. But in order for me to grow, I need to say it. So uh, unless I can say you really hurt me, then, then I hang on to, and I, and I, uh, and I continue to, uh, to dwell on it. Uh, the question around is, uh, is there anything I need to consider for me? It's, it's around reminding myself that, uh, this person is probably doing the best they can. And I expect more from them, but the truth is this is the best they can do because that's why they're showing up that way. Or maybe, you know what? I know this person is dealing just with a whole lot of grief in, in his or her life. And, and so I want to, I just want to consider they're struggling right now or, uh, or, or whatever. It's not letting them off the hook. I still want to say, say to them, Hey, you really hurt me by what you said, but it just helps when I can say, and, and I believe this deeply, folks, and all this faith walking work. So even when it's faith walking people, we're doing the best we can do in the moment. You know, I, I still get in arguments. I still have difficulties. And, well, wait, don't you know all this faith, faith walking stuff? Well, of course I do. But this is the best I can do today. Evelyn? Yeah, that brings me to the one comment I made. Uh, Sometimes I think I don't know enough to consider everything I need to consider. That and is, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that person's perspective. I don't know what they're really dealing with, what they're really mm -hmm. going through. Mm -hmm. So therefore you have mm -hmm. to, for me, I have to allow that space where mm -hmm. I don't really know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and for me, Evelyn, that, that is under that umbrella of, all right, let me stop. Is there something I need to consider that I haven't considered? Yeah. Well, I haven't considered that I don't know everything going on in his or her life. And I need to consider that. There might be some underlying things going on that I'm just totally not aware of right now. Okay. Uh, it, it just helps me gain perspective, you know, to, to be more gracious. When I say, okay, okay, 
you know, there, there may be underlying things that go on. And the other thought I had is something that one of my pastors, he did a whole sermon series on it, on forgiveness. And bottom line was reconciliation. Forgive and the reconciliation may never take place. Right. Exactly. That's it. Um, Yeah. I always think of the story of Joseph and how Joseph wept when his, when he, when his brothers came and, and he realized, I mean, I, that's why I don't excuse. I understand the grief part. I, I don't excuse it away. It, it's it's going to be a part of it, but I think about how he forgave and how he took care of. So I, I tried to do that by example. And I really do to the best of my ability, but, but I have to admit being human sometimes it's just like, you know what, forget it. I'm done. You know, you go your way, I'll go mine. You ain't going to have to see my face anymore. Yeah. I'm sorry you struggle with that, Brenda. I, I have none of those temptations. <laughs> you know better. <laughs> you know better. And if yeah. you believe that, he's got something he wants to sell you. It's a bridge out in, uh, <laughs> in Brooklyn. <laughs> You know, somehow I don't think I've, I've I've persuaded Evelyn about anything. I mean, she sounded a little bit cynical there. Not Evelyn. Group uh, fun conversations. Always really good to see all of you. And I'll see you next week. And if it goes as planned, maybe we'll talk about another uh, uh, thing that love is. So love is forgiving. Love, said another way, love forgives. So maybe this week what we could do is just get into action around, let me practice forgiving this week. Every chance I get. I think that'd be a good practice because that will be evidence of our love. And what we'll be known for when all of this is said and done down the road somewhere is, wow, those people were really forgiving in the midst of all that nonsense going on. I hope you have a great weekend and a great week, and I'll see you Friday. For more information about Faith Walking, visit www.faithwalking.us. We want to remind you that Faith Walking exists because of your financial support. Please consider giving at faithwalking.us slash donate. Thank you for listening. Till I see the Christ in you Till I'm looking through the eyes of love Till I'm looking through the eyes of love